1: acast.com.
0: You're listening to POP, The History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. Annie Zaleski, welcome. Uh, This is a pleasure because we're here to talk about your latest book, Lady Gaga Applause. Now, you're an award-winning writer, have written for Rolling Stone, The Guardian, Time, Billboard, amongst many others. You wrote the liner notes uh, to the 2016 reissue of REM's Out of Time, and also to Game Theory's 2020 collection Across the Barrier of Sound, Postscript. Now your last book was on Duran Duran's Rio, 33 and a third, and as I said we're going to talk about Lady Gaga applause in a little while, but I want to start with you and just ask you What sort of music were you brought up around? What sort of music did your parents play?
1: That's a great question. Um, You know, a little like, that's a really good question. You know, my parents grew up in the 60s and, you know, my mom saw the Beatles on their first US tour. So it was definitely a steady diet of Beatles, Beach Boys, Simon and Garfunkel, Queen, classic rock. My dad also really liked, early new wave and so he liked the cars and the pretenders and Toto and things like that and so it was kind of a mix of you know the 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 rock and roll from the U.S. and the U.K. all kind of mashed up into one.
0: So when did your tastes start to differ and diverge and what was the first record that you bought?
1: So it's funny, I think like most kids, when I started, when I became a teenager, is when I finally started, you know, because I would listen to all my parents' records. And so even as a teenager, that was, you know, part of my musical diet. But then, you know, when I started getting some money, started getting an allowance. um, Weirdly enough, the first CD I ever got was uh, Sloan's debut record, the Canadian band Sloan Smeared. I won it at school. Um, Which was like the coolest first record ever. But I started buying, you know, REM. I joined the Columbia House Music Club. And so I got, you know, 11 CDs for a penny. And so I got, you know, REM, Genesis. I'm sure there was some Smith's records in there too. You know, it was, it was kind of, I I started kind of, you know, exploring what was going on at the time, uh, popular music wise in the 90s.
0: I mean, I'm of the older generation that the first generation that was in love with Bowie so when I was you know 13 it was 1972 so I'm a teenager in that era and obviously I love Bowie's music but he represented more than just music he represented a place as a as a gay man he was a place where I belonged in a way do you see what I mean and Absolutely. in that era I felt very uncomfortable was there a was there an artist where you had a sense of belonging and what was that sense of belonging if there was
1: you know it's funny juliana hatfield um who was in the blake babies and then you know who's still a solo record artist to this day she put out a record that's actually being reissued the juliana hatfield three become what you are and that record you know she she would talk you know about basically feeling insecure feeling like she didn't fit in anywhere that she kind of wanted to be left alone and just feeling kind of alienated and I love that record, you know, and I think like many teenagers, you know, that those, those are very familiar feelings. But especially that record, there was something about just her maybe not feeling comfortable in her skin that I really resonated with. And so that record, more than anything, I remember from being a teenager that, that, that just really made me feel seen, I guess, is, as the kids might say.
0: Yeah. How much currency or weight did your parents put on the idea of a cultural life?
1: you know, it's, they always encouraged me. I feel very grateful because, you know, I was always into writing and I was always into music and they were, they always, maybe because they grew up, you know, loving music and going to concerts and they always encouraged me, you know, my, my dad waited in line to buy concert tickets for me for an REM tour because, you know, I wasn't allowed to skip school. So he went to the grocery store and before you, know, you could buy tickets online and he bought me tickets, you know, and I, I, you know, as an adult, I look back on that and I was like, Wow that's that's really wonderful. You know, he took time out of his work day to do that for me cuz he knew it meant so much to me. And you know, that's really stuck with me and informed my life.
0: How did you become a writer?
1: I've always been a writer, I think. And it's I remember going back in second grade, I I remember we had an assignment to write a story in a paragraph. And I instead gave the teacher four paragraphs because I had so much to say. And I was, you know, eight, nine years old. And I I think, and from that point, that's always been just part of my life. You know, I, in junior high, I was on the newspaper. In high school, I was on our newspaper. I was always writing terrible poetry at, you know, on the side, you know, I was never the best poet or the never the best fiction writer, but I tried, um, you know, so it, it's always been something that's brought me joy. And that's something that's always I've always liked because it's like a puzzle when you're trying to describe something and trying to write something. It's it's trying to figure out what makes sense, what's new and interesting to say. And and something that just, you know, sparks joy, I guess.
0: A little bit about Cleveland, because you're you live in Cleveland, I think. Correct. Were you born in Cleveland?
1: I was. And ah, then okay. around so, so- a little-
0: Tell me a little bit about the music. I mean, Cleveland is, you know, the, where you get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, what is what is the musical history of Cleveland?
1: You know, it's it's a lot of people wonder why the Rock Hall is in Cleveland, which is which would be a fair question, actually. It, it's it's always been this very interesting city where people have said that if you can make it in Cleveland, you can make it anywhere, you know, Bowie broke out in Cleveland for and Roxy Music, and you would never think in the middle of the Midwest, this very industrial city, but there's just something about, they're all music fans here. And, you know, to the point where Elvis Presley played his first show above the Mason Dixon line in Cleveland, you know, we had DJs here, the first rock concert was in Cleveland. There's always been that kind of, you know, maybe because the bar is lower, you know, it's not New York, it's not LA, there's not a lot of attention, you can try things out. So they have this amazing in the 70s, they had all these amazing punk and proto punk bands in the 80s, there were these kind of weirdo indie bands, you know, in the 90s. And and in the current day, there's some interesting hip hop artists there's always just something going on and someone making a difference and it's funny because they're not always the most um, vocal about it you know it's one of those things where you just kind of do what you do and you're making a difference and you you maybe aren't as vocal about it or trying to get as much attention because you know if you're from the midwest you try to you know you get too big for your britches they're going to cut you down (laughs) but there's always something cool there's a rich history and people value that history
0: you mentioned the first rock and roll concert but wasn't there a a riot and yeah. also didn't the Beatles get banned from Cleveland
1: you know it's funny I feel like that was a little bit overblown I know that there, <laughs> their 66 concert you know like many of their concerts on the tour did not last very long the monkeys I believe had a riot here too you know it was <laughs> the here, and it was just it was a lot the, going through the newspaper archives from Cleveland is amazing and fascinating there's all sorts of weird stories that'll make you turn your head
0: <laughs> oh, brilliant. Okay, let's get on to Lady Gaga. Applause. Why did you decide to write a book about Lady Gaga?
1: You know, the publisher approached me and I, I was immediately all in. You know, I had been a Gaga fan since her very, very first record, very early days. You know, I, I went to the tour where she opened for New Kids on the Block and I showed up late. And I always kicked myself, but I got to see her later tours basically, you know, after that. I just think she's one of the most fascinating innovative experimental pop artist out there, you know, she treats pop music more like art and, you know, very much like Bowie in terms of, you know, she's, she treats her career kind of like an art project, but the music is good. And there's always, you know, it's at the core, there are wonderful songs behind everything. And so I, I just, you know, I've always been a fan of her music and I just have so much respect for her. And I just, I just, I just love her.
0: So the publisher, basically came to you and said, would you like to write a book about yeah. Lady Gaga? I and then, like- of course, you have to work on a premise and an idea. So what idea did you decide to come up with for, the, for this book?
1: The thing, the idea that made the most sense was kind of because it was meant to be a biography was to kind of go chronologically, Um, just because especially as an artist, you know, you have to set the stage for how she even became Gaga, because obviously, she didn't come out fully formed as this, you know, flamboyant, fashionable person. She played shows in New York, she really kind of spent a lot of time trying to find her voice. So basically it meant sen- made sense to do chronologically, start off with her, you know, how she got her start, how she became Gaga and how she's evolved. Because, I mean, you know, her, she, she's only been in the music business, you know, I guess professionally almost 15 years, but she's packed so much into it. It's unbelievable.
0: I mean, you've got the tag Lady Gaga applause. Yes. Why did, you, I mean, applause, obviously the name of the track of art, yeah. but why, why did you choose that particular word. Why did you want to choose that word?
1: I mean, it's it's such an it's such an interesting concept because, you know, she, she said, you know because they, it it plays on fame almost because obviously, in a lot of her music, she she toys with what fame means and the downside and the upside, and maybe a little stereotypical about it and kind of lampooning fame. And applause, you know, I think there's a lot of, obviously, when she's performing, she's looking for genuine applause. But there's also, when you're applauding someone, you're giving them attention. You're making, you're acknowledging what they're doing. You're acknowledging, you know, something they've done is good. And so it's kind of a multifaceted word as well, because I think that goes into what her career is. Obviously we're lauding her and, and, and saying, you know, her music is wonderful, but at the same time, you know, like she doesn't necessarily need the applause, you know, cause she's, she's not necessarily doing it for fame. But yet it's welcome. So it's kind of it's kind of a deeper word than maybe you think you might think on the surface.
0: Is there always something new that you can actually say about an artist?
1: There is. And that's what's what was so interesting is digging in and doing research on her. Cause obviously I knew her story. I've written about her for years now. So I knew kind of the basics, but I when I really dug into reading her interviews, watching. You know her music videos. You know watching her documentaries. It was really uh, there was so much more nuance and so much more depth than I think a lot of people might realize. You know because I think to many people she's still this kind of you know she's just quirky pop star who wears ridiculous outfits. You know a lot of people don't like her stuff with Joan with Tony Bennett. You know they think oh whatever. You know if she's doing jazz boring, and but there's so much more to her and there was so much more sincerity and I think genuine. Intent behind everything she does, and that really impressed me. And that really kind of informed how I was writing. And I saw so much more of her arts and her music in new ways um, through that lens.
0: What is your work, I think, as a writer?
1: <laughs> That's a big question. Do I? Oh, am a screenwriter.
0: You see, so I need to know
1: that. <laughs> uh, oh, my editors might not want to listen. Um, you know. <laughs> I, I do best with a deadline. I think with most, as with most writers. Um, so you know, I don't write in a linear fashion. You know, I don't necessarily sit down and say, okay, I'm going to start write something at the beginning and keep going. I kind of write and jump around um, when I'm doing a longer project like this, just because maybe today I'm more interested in writing this section of something, and then well, maybe that'll spark something else five pages down the line. And so I basically have a big old document open, and I kind of jump around, and you know, if I see something, I'm I put something here and slot it in and then it all just kind of comes together and then after I kind of have a draft down I'll go back and read it and edit it myself and say okay I could say this better this sounds clunky let's fix this and so self-editing is also a really big part of my process but I do research too and I have documents open with links and reading things and so it's it's, it's a whole process.
0: Who did you interview or did you interview anyone for this book? Because it seems like it's a lot of massive amount of research. And um, and because it's biographical, it's really sort of piecing the pieces together. So did you actually interview any new people for this book?
1: I didn't just because there is so much out there. And, you know, Gaga is the type of person that, she doesn't do a lot of press these days because she doesn't need to, you know, she is just she's reached that echelon of pop stardom where she can just kind of focus on her art and her business and her philanthropy. And she doesn't necessarily have to sit for interviews like this. And then, you know, I, she's just in there's She's just been documented so much over the years and her collaborators have said things. And, you know, I don't I didn't necessarily think that I needed to. I wasn't sure to get anything new. And so I, I opted not to interview anyone.
0: So what are the specific challenges of writing a book that sort of
1: covers the whole life up to now um, of an artist? I mean, part of it is deciding what to include and what not to include. I mean, I think that's with any piece, but especially with someone's life, just because there's just, especially with her, you know, she was doing you know, something every day in certain years. And so you can't necessarily give a day-by-day chronicle of here's where they were. So you have to figure out what's most important and what's most interesting. And then also what kind of contributes to a narrative, you know, and that's, you know, you don't want it to read like a Wikipedia entry. You have to have some also analysis in there as well. So you kind of have to balance between, okay, we have this fact and let's maybe do some analysis here, or this needs a, a you know, a segue to get to this other point and things like that and so you know just trying to make sure that everything made sense and you know flowed well I think is the biggest challenge because I, you know, I knew she was busy, but I did not realize how busy until you really kind of dig in and focus on what she's been doing.
0: Well, that's why I mentioned your work ethic, because Gaga's work ethic is, is incredible, isn't it? Absolutely.
1: I mean, it's when you look at, you know, I, I don't know how she, you know, has enough hours in the day between her, you know, acting career and doing music and then going to events and fashion. I mean, it's, it's really, really admirable.
0: I mean, what I loved in the book, I mean, there's so much meat in the book, there's so much, you know, stuff in there about uh, about her life and many things, you know, I mean, I've always liked Gaga as well, but I, I haven't really gone into looking at her life. But there were many things in there that that interest me and particularly in her youth and her early life, because a lot of that paid off later, it seems. What was her connection to music when she was a young child?
1: I mean, what was so, that was actually, I think my favorite, the two chapters at the very start were I think my favorite to research just because, you know, figuring out like how did she become Gaga and what did she actually listen to? And I mean, her, you know, like she had parents who were very supportive, you know, she liked Bruce Springsteen and Billy Joel and people like that. And she liked all of the 80s and 90s artists who, you know, we all like Blondie and garbage and bands like that. And, you know, she was just really surrounded by music and her parents encouraged her, you know, they, they saw that she was also very outgoing and also very much, you know, was kind of a born performer and she had music lessons. And so she was able to, you know, start playing piano. And I mean, her parents took her to clubs. I mean, when you think about that, you know, she had the, you know, she grew up in New York city, which was so lucky in that her parents were like, okay, you're a teenager and we're going to bring you to a club and you, you can play. I mean, just like really, really supportive and just really nurtured her talent. And so, and I mean, I think that, you know from a very young age, she was just surrounded by music as well of all types. And you see how much diversity of music too. I mean, her early music was kind of that she performed was kind of bluesy almost, you know, there's there's still tons of video of course on YouTube and, you know, it's just really, really diverse. She was really finding her voice but she really had the space to find her voice. And just because she likes so many different kinds of music It just, it really helped give her ideas and helped show her what she could be as an artist.
0: I mean, I found it interesting that her parents weren't in any way in any creative field. And um, yet um, you use the word supportive and, you know, there are parents that are pushy that want their, you know, put their child on stage and they want them to be, you know, famous in any any way, but it doesn't feel um, from your book uh, that they were anything else, than supportive, which was quite unusual considering they weren't even in the, any sort of form of creative industry.
1: It's very true. And, you know, when you find parents who, you know, recognize that their children are doing something very different than they're doing and have this talent to say, okay, we're going to go for it. We're not going to try to mold you and try to suppress that in you is really special, I think. And they really... You know, and they, and she was so self-driven too. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably one of those things too, where even if they would have tried to say, maybe you should go to business school, maybe you should, you know, get a safe degree. How about economics? She would be like, nope, this is what I want to do. I'm very stubborn. I'm very ambitious and I'm very driven from a young age. And, you know, they recognize that. And, you know, for parents to let their children be who they want to be is such a powerful, special thing. And that's how we got Gaga.
0: I mean, what's really fascinating is that the idea that they have a piano in their flat and and that uh you know the, the moment she could walk and touch the keys you know and and then she within a shorter period of time she's playing by ear so you really get the feeling of someone with an innate uh talent um, for music um, and also, what you say about the support and her going to acting lessons, and the feeling that the Lee Strasberg form of acting was something which was clearly going to have an impact in her later life. Can you tell me about that, and what what you feel that impact has been?
1: I mean, I think that both of those things just kind of showed her. I mean, because you're right about the innate talent. I mean, it's amazing. You know how many you could give a piano to 95 kids or to hundred kids and 99 of them will just sort of plunk on it and make a lot of noise. And she managed to find, you know, to say, oh, this makes sense to me and pluck out melodies. You know, she just had that kind of innate gift. I think the acting showed her also, gave her kind of that other side because you know how many artists, sometimes they would rather be in the studio or sometimes they would, you know, they're shy. And so they'd rather be, you know maybe just like at home composing. The acting kind of showed her, helped her figure out how she could develop and inhabit personas. I think that's helped her down the line because as her career has sort of evolved, A, it's been able to be a defense mechanism, you know, because she obviously has the Gaga persona and then her real person. So she can put on her Gaga wear and her Gaga mask and go out in public and be one thing. But I think it's also helped her, you know, as her art music has evolved, she's able to kind of inhabit these different characters. You know, she can, in art pop, maybe she was one thing and in Born This Way, she was another thing. And, you know, it's given her more, I think, range, I guess, as a pop star as well. And, And the poise and ability to pull that off because you know a lot of people will evolve and try on different personas and it just looks goofy or it just doesn't work and she just really because she was always used to going all in she she knew how to do it and she went for it
0: whenever i've interviewed artists or looking to their background and including you know i was a presenter on mtv in europe at one point and and my background was that my father uh, never expressed love for me he didn't want a third child and, and I think I ended up on TV, you know, I've done loads of therapy, and I think I ended up on TV, because I was looking for love from somewhere else. And when you look at artists, a lot of them have some form of childhood trauma, they have some form, something has happened in their past, which has given them the drive. Obviously, they have to have the talent to go along with it. But that drive has, you know, often comes from somewhere like that. But I don't see that with Gaga. How do you view it?
1: You know, she talked about how, you know, when she was, it's funny because stories vary, you know, she's talked about being potentially bullied as a kid and, you know, bullied for the way she looked because she was, you know, very Italian and looked very different than, you know, like she couldn't like wear the styles, you know, for example, like what a lot of like uh, girls her age were wearing just because she looked so different. And so she talked a lot about that and how difficult that was and, you know, being, being a girl growing up in junior high and high school is difficult anyway, cause girls can be so cruel to one another. And she talked about being excluded and things like that. And so there was a little bit of that, you know and I think that kind of shaped her because you know, it made her want to belong. It made her, you know, a lot of times when people experience that, you you go weirder. You basically say, nope, I, you know I'm never going to fit in. So I'm going to go to the extreme and I'm just going to go like all out. And so Aha, you, you don't want to accept me try this, you know? And I think there was a little bit of that going on as well with her. And, you know, when she talked about that, she dealt with a lot of, you know, men in the music industry when she was younger specifically, who didn't necessarily treat her the way that she should be treated. And, you know, I think a lot of that just, you know, showed her what she didn't want and it showed her, you know, I think that's why maybe she has such great control over her career. Cause she's like, I don't want to feel like that ever. I don't want to be in any sort of position to, you know, where I'm not in control, where I don't have creative control. And so I think, you know, she, but she learned a lot of those lessons early, which I think helped, you know, a lot of artists, it takes them a long time. And then all of a sudden one day they're like, oh no, you know, but she learned that very, very early on because she was so sophisticated and I think precocious as well.
0: Has she ever talked about what triggered her interest in fashion?
1: You know, it's a good question. I, You know, I, a little bit, I think, I think it's Bowie. I think it's a little bit of Bowie and a little bit of Andy Warhol um, because when she was kind of coming up and trying to find her voice um, you know, both of those artists were very meaningful to her. And she also had some mentors as well that, you know, in the New York, you know, upper the lower East side kind of, you know, weirdo, awesome music bar community that just was really like, you know fashion was you know you had to be fashionable and you had to be flamboyant and over the top to get attention so i think a lot of that kind of formative um that those formative experiences as well i think informed her
0: i mean you mentioned the bullying and when you talk about bowie bowie represented um the alien the outsider and in a way it's the same thing it's the same thing that i you know experienced as a, as a as a teenager that they're you know being on the outside feeling on the outside and i think that's probably for, for Gaga, a similar thing that Bowie was the person that provided the world that she needed when, when she was younger. One thing that I find really interesting because my original name is Stephen James. And when I became a TV presenter, Um, I had to change it because of the union and I chose Steve Blame and when I went to therapy later on the therapist said I probably got 20 personalities but the therapist said that as soon as you change your name you also change you invent a new personality Um, and that personality you talked about the defense of being Lady Gaga Um, when I interviewed Madonna Madonna spoke in the third person. So I would ask Madonna a question. Sometimes she'd say, what would Madonna answer? (laughs) You know, and it fascinated me because I realized that there is this, you know, everyone needs this form of uh, protection. So how do you think Lady Gaga um, sort of is different from Stefani Germanotta?
1: It's funny because I feel like over her career, the two personas have kind of become closer together, I think is maybe because when she's become more established and, you know, potentially become more comfortable in her skin, Um, you know, Gaga, I think is just, you know, she is over the top and she's flamboyant and she's fearless and she's bulletproof, you know, and she, goes on stage and she is just, you know, she is basically what Bowie was to so many people. She is the other and the beacon reclaiming that and reclaiming that sort of um, otherness to say, we all belong here. You know, I am the patron saint. I am the mother monster of everyone who maybe doesn't feel like they fit in or doesn't, you know, feel like they um, conform to society. But I think, you know, her her Stephanie Germanata, you know, is... You know, she's a successful entrepreneur, and she's a successful philanthropist and a businesswoman. So it's, you know, and it's, and, you know, obviously, there are elements of Gaga in there, because she's very confident, and she very much knows what she wants. And she knows how to talk to people to help push initiatives forward. But, you know, it's the the older she gets, you can tell that there's, you know, different elements of herself and Gaga and and vice versa as well. So it's an interesting question because I feel like it also like kind of like Madonna shifts by the day, depending on what she's doing. You know, I think when she's with Tony Bennett, she's definitely a lot more Stephanie than, you know, you see her when the way she interacts with him. It's very tender. It's kind of the way she acts toward her family and as she's been seen in documentaries. But when she's, you know, maybe collaborating with you know, pop musicians, she's definitely very Gaga. And so it's all very situational as well. And I think maybe she's better at navigating it now than she used to be. Cause then, you know, it makes sense when you're younger you put on this persona cause you're trying so hard to make it. And then once you make it, it's like, okay you know, I can let my guard down a little bit people are still gonna like me even if I'm not Gaga 24 seven. So it's an interesting question. It's a very, it's a philosophical question almost. And I think if you ask me that in a week my answer might change.
0: she's very astute with her choices, isn't she? She,
1: Absolutely. Like, like a lot, you know, and I know that obviously the Madonna parallel came up, you know, during born this way, especially, and there's all sorts of things, but she is very, very savvy and very, very astute about her career, very savvy, but, you know, in a way that also seems very genuine. She, she navigates that in a much different way than Madonna does. I think just because she's younger, you know, I think she's, I think she's considered a millennial and, you know, the millennial, um, Personality is very, very is a lot different than maybe I think Madonna's Gen X, maybe. I don't know. So it's it's just it's a it's an interesting kind of generational shift.
0: I mean, I don't, I mean, maybe I'm getting this wrong, but I think possibly that Madonna was in an era where the music industry was only men.
1: That's true. Do you That's know what, what I mean? So know.
0: her fight as a as a feminist fight was in a sense much, much greater. And that may have hardened her along the way. And whereas um you know gaga has obviously been amongst that to a certain extent but maybe had an easier uh, you know i don't know do you think so it's an easier ride for her in that you way you know
1: i don't know if it's any if i don't know if anybody as a pop star has it easy at, at all kind of on their road But i think that point about madonna is really interesting because you're right the music industry especially in the 70s and 80s was extremely male dominated. And, you know, and, and the fact that she was making music for teenage girls, you know, that, that was that type of music was never respected. And so the fact that she had to work harder to get, you know, for people to take her seriously, because she was doing dance music, her voice was unique, you know, she had this flamboyant fashion, she was over the top, you know, I mean, she had a lot of things stacked against her. And, you know, and she like, like Gaga, you know, she went into acting. And I think she did get that respect eventually, but it took a while. Gaga did have kind of, you know, Madonna paving the way. And then I think also if she came into, you know, the the 2000s um, pop music was, you know, had so many interesting women. I mean, you know, Taylor Swift was, you know, just starting off when Gaga came, but, you know, she came of age and there were people like Kesha and, you know, she was following people like Destiny's Child and Beyonce, And, you know, all the girl groups from the 90s and 2000s as well. And so there were definitely a lot more visible women that came right before Gaga kind of came out. And so I think that is a very plausible point.
0: You're listening to POP, The History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. MTV played a very important role in Madonna's life. Um, In Gaga's life, the power of MTV waned when YouTube came up, and it also allowed um, video directors and artists to create what they wanted without the pressure of what was allowable on MTV. How much do you think that uh, the videos have impacted in terms of, How successful Gaga has been.
1: Oh, I think absolutely. And you're completely right in that, you know, she came, you know, she was, she came off just as sort of, I think, like the pivot point when MTV's influence really started to wane. But every, every video she makes is an event. I mean, when you, when I went back and kind of watched everything, every single video is a mini movie. And, you know, obviously there are artists who have done that in the past, but you know maybe they were like you know nine minutes long maybe there's actual scripts maybe this is you know inspired by Quentin Tarantino they're all extremely well thought out and extremely tailored to each individual song and they enhance what the song is and they kind of not you know just a storyline but they also kind of enhance Gaga's persona you know I think so many of the things and the signifiers that are in those videos are you know that's what people know her for you know in terms of you know she was able to you know, maybe like going out in public, she couldn't walk in a pair of shoes because they were too high. Or, you know, maybe you don't want to wear a skin tight, you know, bodysuit out, you know, when you're going to LAX or something like that. But she could wear that in a video and just really kind of play with her persona even more. I mean, I, you know, I, I think the videos are such a big part of how her music has been successful just because she just really. You know I think her this is also where I think where her acting came in as well that you know she was able to really kind of you know morph and conform to whatever the video was going to be. you know, I think of telephone, which is totally a mini movie with you know her and beyonce and you know she just plays the you know Bonnie and Clyde persona so well, you know I, I think that's my favorite video by her, but
0: yeah, that's a Jonas Sokoland video the same as paparazzi yeah. oh, and yeah. he he told me that it's a very collaborative uh meeting of the minds in terms of creating something for Gaga and also, uh, how her work ethic is so incredible and absolutely phenomenal. Of course, Jonas, um, is married to Bea Ockerland who is in House of Gaga. Can you tell me a little bit about what House of Gaga is?
1: I, I feel like, so she modeled it after Andy Warhol's Factory and it's like the, like, cauldron of creativity bubbling up around her where it's her trusted collaborators and that that's with makeup and hairstyle and fashion and it's sort of her like brain trust that she works with and has worked with since her first record on on kind of everything visual and everything you know her aesthetic and how it kind of looks like you know her videos her tour staging you know her artwork you know her tour accessories i mean she has these amazing instruments you know kind of like you know like craftwork made their own instruments she took that and she ran with it like like you know unbelievably um so what know, do you so- think
0: the greatest statement of her uh, visual expression her outfits have been was it was it the um what was it the the, the meat one or the bubbles <laughs> or the blood i mean there have been so many
1: I mean the the meat one, I I I I did a lot of research on the meat dress. It's kind of disgusting. It's it's amazing, like God bless her for doing that, but like it'll turn your stomach. I always liked the kind of the spiky, the the ones that she had that were like body suits that had kind of like spiky like armor on it. And it's, it's funny cause it's even a challenge to describe what her fashion looks like, because it's just so weird and unique. And she had like, you know, the face makeup that went along with it. And she had the spiky guitars to go and or keyboards like the guitar to go along. It looked like stalactites or something. It looked like it was in like a Technicolor cave or something. I, I've always liked that, but I mean, you know she just has, I love the bubble dress too you know, she was really good at looking at what fashion was doing. And, and she was basically like, make a DIY version of it. You know, she I was think also she
0: was- influenced, wasn't she from the uh, 80s? I mean, I was, Yeah. Uh, I knew Lee Bowery in the, uh, in the 1980s. Okay. Um, and obviously around in, in that era. And, and in a sense, I've always seen Lee Bowery as some sort of a symbol that she must have uh, been influenced by, because it was always about Uh, deforming the human body in some way by the use of clothes and um, making different structures out of them, and also about getting a reaction. I mean, Lee Bowery wanted a reaction when he walked down the street. So how do you see her influences?
1: I mean, you know, you, you mentioned that there were some instances where Gaga had actual prosthetics that she would wear on her like ears and face and, and her shoulders, like they have like, like little spiky shoulders almost. So she was definitely into playing kind of with the physical form and saying, you know, I mean, and you look at like, you know, the, the Grammy experience where she was in an egg and claimed that she had been in the egg for two days to prepare. So, I mean, it's, it's all in performance art, but also kind of stretching the limits of what the body can do in a sense. and you know, and, and some of the things she wears, like you shouldn't be able to like move in them almost. And so she was kind of playing with, you know, what physicality could be and maybe, you know, um, the limits of it too. And so it's very, I mean, I'm sure that there have been dissertations on her fashion and, and I would love to read those because, you know, she just has so many, and, and and she's very subtle about where she takes influences from. You know, it's one of those things where she might see something, it'll be an homage to something, and then you'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, absolutely. And it's it's very, she's very savvy about that as well.
0: I mean, it's really funny because those things in the past that sort of connect and you go, ah, oh, yes, yeah, the Lee Strasberg thing, the working as a go go dancer, <laughs> all those things sort of adding up and being a performance artist. Does, do you think she sees herself? more as a performance artist or as a singer doesn't seem enough
1: I would agree that I think performance artist fits the bill because you're right calling her a singer or just a musician is just kind of the start of things you know just because everything is so elaborate and every I mean I was not able to see her chromatica ball tour the recent stadium tour but I mean that was an extravaganza planning something like that like it's it's like you're staging a a production of a play or a mini movie every single night. And I definitely, so, and, and the way she treats her art is so serious, you know, and the way she plays with personas during each individual, you know, act of her live shows, you know, it's absolutely, I would say a performance artist more than anything.
0: She's also been a massive supporter of queer rights. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about that and why, you believe uh, that that was a sort of destined thing for her to support.
1: I mean, part of it is, I think, you know, when she was growing up in, you know, the Lower East Side and, you know, in New York City, you know, I think that where she grew up was such a very heavily queer scene and very queer supporting, and she herself is identifies as bisexual, and so I think that she's also, you know, part of the community, but I think this all plays into also her support for people who might've been marginalized or people who might've been, you know, said you don't belong here. You know, she supported same sex marriage in the U S she was one of the most vocal supporters of that. And when, before the law was passed, I think it was the early 2000s. And so, you know, she puts her money, I mean, she puts her activism where her mouth is, you know, she doesn't give lip service and just say, Oh, I support this. Like when she supported, she drove like 13 hours to perform at a rally for this. Like she definitely, you know, she's very, very, um, she's very, I mean, you, I mentioned earlier, she was genuine. She's absolutely genuine about her advocacy. You know, she's not the type of celebrity that's just like, I'm just going to put some money into this and call it a day. Like she definitely, you can tell gives herself and in, into all of that as well. And I think that just because I think she just really identifies with you know I'm sure you know so many of her when you look at the music industry and the fashion industry and the makeup industry there's so many queer artists as well and so I think you know I I think she was sort of destined to do that, be supportive.
0: What I found very fascinating about what you wrote in the book is about her father's. um, Well, he was he was a fan of Bruce Springsteen, but more than that, he was because of Bruce Spring's Bruce Springsteen's politics. And Lady Gaga is also uh, politically um, active, and that came from her father's interest in Bruce Springsteen, didn't it?
1: It did, and it's funny because you know she, you know, obviously she didn't grow up in New Jersey. I think her dad is from New Jersey, and so you know Bruce Springsteen is the patron saint of New Jersey. But the idea that she she grew up with artists who realized. I have to take a stand for something. And, you know, like Bruce wasn't just, you know going out on stage, you know, he, another one backed up basically his politics with his actions. And so I think that really also had a big impression on her because she realized, you know, she grew up with these artists who, when they get a big platform, realize that what they say matters and you can make a difference. And so I think that's also really, you know, it's like with everything, it's sort of one of the things that kind of seeped into the way she wanted to operate as well. You know, there's a lot of ethics and integrity in the way she operates. And that's also very, very Springsteen-like, I think, you know, in terms of, you know, what, what you're, how you're kind of doing business and how you're kind of comporting yourself.
0: Her first two albums were immensely successful, and they also broke barriers. They they were they were new in in the themes and what they were purporting to say. Yet her third album, Art Pop, uh, seemed a little bit of a miss. What do you think happened there, and what was her sort of mental state around that time?
1: You know, it's it's funny because I I was someone who I was not a fan of Art Pop at the time. I think there's even a negative review I wrote floating around. I think part of it is. Uh, it was a little bit almost too forward thinking. You know, she set the bar really high with her first two records in terms of, you know, making pop music and electronic sort of leaning pop music. And, you know, she really helped kind of usher in that trend with those two records. And then when she tried to go in a different direction, people weren't necessarily ready for that. And I think now it's become kind of a cult classic. Part of it is also she had some really kind of turmoil in her business life behind the scenes. I think that she had managerial changes and I think it just been working too hard. And I think was just a little bit like burned out. And so her mental state was not the greatest at that time. You know, it was very much, I think she's in hindsight she was able to see, wow, I really needed a break. And I really needed to, you know, get my brain on straight before I could really um, work on things. And so it was kind of a combination of everything. You know, I'm glad that it's, it's kind of like, you know Christina Aguilera's Bionic, another record that came out that everyone didn't know what to do with at the time, and in hindsight, kind of realized, wow, this was a really interesting pop record. And I think art pop is like that for Gaga as well. Is that that she really, you know, you know, she she basically, you know, she was almost too ambitious for her own good. One of the only times in her career, probably.
0: I mean, one thing um, she worked with R. Kelly, and then she defended him at one point. Um, But what I really appreciated about her, and I think it really is to her credit, that she apologized later on for her bad judgment. Do you think that's sort of symbolic of the type of human being that she is, that she's vulnerable, that she can make mistakes, and yet um, she can come out and say, yeah, uh, you know, sorry, I made a big mistake?
1: Absolutely. And I think what's so powerful about that is when, you know, she's such a strong persona and she's, you know, comes across as I'm totally confident, but there's also so much power in being able to say, I was wrong. I messed up. I shouldn't have done this. And that can be hard to navigate a lot of times because when you are a strong person, you don't necessarily think you can say that and be that vulnerable. And the fact that she was able to come out and yeah, did later say, this was a total mistake. I should not have supported him. Like this was, I do not support him at all. And, you know, she was not the only one in the music industry who at the time worked with him. And, you know, it took a long time for the music industry to be like, wow, no, this is, this is not okay. And to be able to come out and say, this is not okay. Anything he's done. Um, And, you know, but, but she said, no, I screwed up. And, you know, I think I'm, it it does, it makes total sense if she would say that because it it goes back to her kind of principles and integrity, you know, because, you know, she knows she's smart enough. She was, she would be like, I would be a hypocrite if I basically didn't come out and say, and speak out against this because of everything, it it goes against for everything she stands for, you know and everything that she's, you know, you know, promoted and everything that she's, you know, said matters to her. And so, and, you know, and it maybe it took a little bit of a while, it took a little while, but again, like so many in the music industry that she was not alone in that. And I think that it's important that the fact she did get there and she did say, you know, I, I messed up and I'm, I will do better in the future. And I think that is very powerful.
0: And she's definitely a risk taker. I mean, the working with Tony Bennett, wasn't as, you know, I mean, he'd worked with other um, artists uh, before Lady Gaga, um, but it wasn't necessarily a sort of clear choice of like, this will be successful in, in any way. And also going into the movies, if you look at the history of <laughs> pop stars who have acted, um, you know, it's not always that that positive. Um, so what, it is, what is it about her, you know, and well, first of all, this Tony Bennett thing, why do you think this risk came off?
1: I mean, I think part of the risk came off, I think, because she's just she's such a versatile talent. You know, I think, uh, you know, the fact that she, you know, could do I mean, it just speaks to how, uh, you know, eclectic she is, you know, because, yeah, you're right. How many artists could do like a jazz record or do a standards record? And you're like, boy, this is really self-indulgent. She went for it. And but she she met Tony where he was and you know and just really because I think also her classical training I think also gave her an edge as well And the fact that she's done theater and done acting it made a lot of sense that the songs they were doing as well and so I think she is just that versatile of an artist Um, I think also she was just really you know she was all in it wasn't like she didn't act like she was just dabbling in the side project. You know, when she was working with Tony Bennett, she was like, okay, everything else is to the side. This is my focus. And I think that's another big difference too, is that when she is working on something, whether it's acting in a movie or, you know, doing project or, you know, an album that is her focus. She is not necessarily dividing her time. She's not trying to, you know, be something she's not like, she's really her full attention is there. And I think that that's why I think there's so much, um, you know, and that attention to detail, you can tell when you, when you look at everything that comes off is just, you know, it might not be creatively successful, but it sounds flawless. You know, she's not necessarily making things that sound subpar. She's making sure everything she puts out is of high quality, you know, whether you like it or not, whether it's successful or not, you know, that's sort of for the, the market and fans to kind of figure out. But I mean, she just gives her all and you can tell. And, you know, and like I said, the way she interacts with Tony is so tender and so just so respectful and reverent as well, you know, and he has said, you know, glowing things about her, but you know, she kind of returns the favor and she's very much honored is honored to be working with him. And that also really shows as well. And it's fun. I mean, I guess you can't even say that. And she has so much fun when you watch them on stage, she's having fun kind of taking a break from being an over the top pop star. And she's wearing a glamorous dress and playing in beautiful theaters and, doing something new, like that's, that's amazing. That's awesome.
0: I mean, in terms of acting in the films, one thing that is some, I think it's very difficult when you are known for one thing, you know, as a pop star with a particular image, it's very difficult because at first as a viewer, when you're watching a film and someone like Lady Gaga is in that film the first image you have is in your head of who Lady Gaga is in in your head and not on that screen. So she has to fight even more to win the audience over, doesn't she?
1: She really does, and I think that's why when you when you look at her um, turn in the Star Is Born*, it's even more remarkable because you know you you know that she's Gaga because you know, she's she has a very distinctive look, but she just inhabited the. Persona of the the star, you know, trying to make things happen. You know, she just, you know, the best actors and actresses, I think, you know, when they're playing challenging roles, they kind of disappear into the role and disappear into the persona. She really did that, and you know, I think part of it's probably because you know a lot of the source material was probably very familiar to her, because she was, you know, she had probably went through very similar things as she was trying to come up as an artist, but you know, she just took it in such a different intense direction, you know, and I know she's done, she's had other film roles, roles as well, but I mean, that just stood out to me that I was like, wow, she was incredible in that movie.
0: Yeah. I, you really felt that she knew it, but she was incredible in House of Gucci. I really, I really thought her performance was amazing in in that. So she's very multifaceted. Okay. She's a performer. She's an actress. She's a leader in terms of pop culture and she's done so many things, but what do you believe will be the lasting cultural significance of Lady Gaga?
1: That's such a big question. I mean, I I think she's sort of redefined what a pop star could be. I mean, when you look at, you know, pop music right now is in such kind of a maximalist era where, you know, you're, you look at Taylor Swift, you know, just released a record and there are, you know, with 20 some different formats. I mean, it's very much like it's an event, you know, pop music is an event and Gaga was one of the first, you know, modern pop artists to really you know, introduce eras, I guess you might say that every album she put out has a different sort of look and a different aesthetic and a different sort of universe that it's inhabiting. And she was really good at doing that. And I think now it's expected for pop musicians to do that. You can't just put out a pop record and say, okay, here it is. There has to be a story around it, a narrative. There has to be a 360 degree visual aesthetic around it. And, you know, Gaga was, really, really good at that. You know, I think her other legacy is just going to be versatility and that the fact that you don't have to just be limited by pop music. You know, I think I just saw yesterday she's in the studio working with a jazz pianist. So, you know, she's working on something else as well. You know, pop music can be a starting point. I think, you know, she really kind of showed people that you don't have to be in a narrow box. You can do one thing and you can make pop music your own. You can kind of make it whatever you want it to be. And I think We've seen that time and time again in the last decade and a half since she's kind of um, emerged that she's just really you know, she just really kind of paved the way. And like you mentioned earlier, the vulnerability, you know, you can be this kind of bulletproof person and you can be confident, but you can also be yourself and you can also be, you know, a little let, let a little bit more of emotion in and let a little bit more say, you know, be a little tender, maybe be a little soft at sometimes. So it's a little bit more diverse and eclectic in terms of just your emotionality. And so I think that that's, you know, that's one of the major things that she's done as well.
0: Do you think she can achieve the same status? This is a difficult question because, A, she's still going. <laughs> so this is a really hard one to ask. But do you think she can achieve the same status as her own heroes, as Bowie, as, as Freddie Mercury? You know, all those people in the past that have such a massive status. It's a different generation, so it's a generational thing as well. Um, but do you think that is possible, that we will think of Gaga in the future, I won't be around, but we will think of Gaga in the future, in the same way as my generation thinks about, you know, Freddie Mercury and David Bowie and your generation thinks about Michael Stipe and uh, all the people you loved when you were young.
1: I mean, it it is a big question. You know, I think, because you're right, it's the music industry is so different now, you know, because I think when Bowie came out and when Queen came out, I mean, there was just, there were so many fewer musicians, you know, when you think about it, bands, there wasn't necessarily as much competition, Gaga, you know, has, you know, even though she's very singular, there's so many pop artists that take up your attention. So I think she will be remembered in that kind of that upper echelon. Um, But I'm not sure if it'll be as kind of, you know, I, I don't necessarily know if we're going to be having t-shirts with her visage, like we do with Bowie or, you know, I mean, I have Bowie Barbie dolls, you know, I mean, it's cause I love Bowie too. And you know, that it's almost like Bowie has transcended his, his music and he's, you know, he's, you know, kind of like Kurt Cobain is, and some of these artists, he's an icon of his own thing. And I'm not sure if she'd ever get there, but that's not a knock on her talent just because she is just you know, she's doing her own thing and carving her own way. And so maybe in 25 years, there'll be a new kind of icon that we haven't even thought of yet. That'll be her, you know, it's so hard to say. But I think she is one of those artists that's really, you know, she's one of the artists that like your parents know and you know, and your kids know. She's definitely spanned different generations. She's one of those pop stars that people of all ages can like, even though she is very over the top and flamboyant. And I think that's a real sign just in terms of, you know, cultural um, ubiquity. That when you do, sort of, you know, you know, ev- everyone knows who you are.
0: So in the end, Ernie Seleski, I want to just congratulate you on the book, Lady Gaga applause, and say it's really like a, some some form of surgical, <laughs> <laughs> surgical look um, with so many um, interesting facts and um information that you've gathered from uh, you know other sources and and been able to put together in a, in a in a in a really easy way to read and follow and I thoroughly enjoyed it so congratulations on bringing something out into the world of pop culture that is uh, you know I always feel it's very important so thank you
1: oh thank you for the nice words i i really you know you, you write something and you never know you're like okay it's out there now oh no, you know? And so I thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And that means a lot. A cash recommends.